such a great hymn that was chose. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less. And I'm praying that uh, after uh, the message that is preached today, that we can not only just sing those words, we can believe those words. That everything that we just sung, um, with the hold to God on changes hands, um, when, when struggles and times get hard, um, we are continually reminded to hold to God's unchanging hands and not give in to the flesh. But also, uh, what keeps us from that is it's our hope on what's to come. Um, if you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to continue our study in Romans. Um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at verses um, 24 and 25. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. And to give us some context, I'm going to start back at verse 18 in Romans chapter 8. To give us some context of what's happening. Romans was written by uh, Apostle Paul. Um, he was one of the apostles uh, chosen by the Lord when Jesus went into heaven to be with the Father. The good news that Jesus spread, the good news of this new kingdom to come, Jesus shared it with the world, but also Jesus chose many men to go do the same thing that he did, to go share with the world of this new kingdom to come. We heard about the 12 disciples, but also now we see it's apostles that are involved also with sharing this great news of Christ's kingdom to come. So Apostle Paul was a man that wasn't looking for Jesus. He was actually a man that actually was after to kill Christians. He wanted Christians killed before because of what they believed. But the Lord met him on the road of Damascus. And the Lord turned his life around. And for him now, not wanting to persecute Christians anymore, but now he wants to be with the Christians, to live with them and be a part of them and be a community. And he wants the whole world to do the same thing. So Paul wrote this book of Romans, just reminding the church of Rome, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be reminded of the gospel and to be assured of what Christ has done? Even in the midst of struggles in the Christian life, struggles happen. Paul talks about the struggles. But in the midst of struggles, Christ will never leave you or forsake you in the midst of it. Let me read Romans 8, verse 18, all the way to 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and attain the freedom and the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of the Son, the redemption of our bodies. And our verses for today, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not use, do not see, we wait for it with patience. I know I read a lot there. Let me pray for us. Um, let me pray for us and ask the Lord to bless us at this time. Our Father God, Lord is in heaven. Lord, we come to you right now, Lord, the proclamation of your word. Lord, um, this word is needed for my own soul this morning. Lord, how you have encouraged me with this word this morning, I mean this week, as I prepare for it. Lord, I ask you, Lord, if you'd be so kind, Lord, to encourage your people with it as well. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to give us truth, give us your truth this morning, even when our hearts are so hard to receive it. Lord, tear down that stony heart. Set out all the walls, Lord, to try to prevent you, Lord, to give us that truth. And give your truth to us this morning. 
Because your truth is what we need. Your truth is what we need to walk in. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to give it to us this morning, Lord. So help me, Lord, preach your word faithfully. Help me preach your word in a way, Lord, that honors you this morning, Lord. Let me not get honored um, my own selfishness. But, Lord, let me, Lord, um, point everybody, Lord, to you. And let you be the one to get all the honor and the praise here this day, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you to help us and guide us. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. We have now been studying the book of Romans for quite some time now. We have been um, working through Romans uh, for quite a bit of month, uh, months. And Romans has been, remind, been reminding me of a, a smooth drive. You guys ever went somewhere and just a little bit different from a rock road? A rocky road like you're bumping up and down, and but a smooth highway. They always make fun of Arkansas Highway. They say it's not too smooth. But you might find some spots on the highway and your tires and everything, you just, everything's just quiet. Romans is for the most part, it's not too rocky, but it's so encouraging, so soothing for the soul. It's not one of those things that, you know, Romans is not one of those books that uh, so far we have learned that Paul is trying to push people away from the church. Or Paul is trying to call everybody on their, on their sins. But what Paul is doing here is that he is reminding us of what Christ has done. Because if we remember what Christ has done as believers, we'll be less likely to give in to false gods and false idols and all these things in his work. So Paul is reminding us through Romans, just giving us this smooth ride reminding us this is what you have this is what you have and you're thinking about now as you're taking a, a nice smooth ride you're on your way to somewhere you want to enjoy for some of the ladies right they might want to go um, to a good sale at Dillard's or a good sale at Michael Kors or Bath and Body Works and some guys might want to go see you know the Lakers play right or some might not want to see the 49ers. That's a sad ride. But going to see the Patriots, that's a great ride, right? <laughs> or some might want to go to a, 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 a music instrument store to, to see what types of new guitars out. The wife hey, has said, hey, we have some extra money here. And so, hey, go get any guitar you want. Any one you want. And you're smiling, just smiling, and just on the way there. Or the new Jordans that just came out. But regardless, what the point I'm trying to make is that think about that feeling as you're on your way, you're anticipating for something to come. Well, Paul is doing it here. He is reminding us of what's to come. Something that's better than American sports. Something better than the instrument. Something better than Bath and Body Works. Look what we have to come. We have Jesus. We have his kingdom. And all of these things we have, we get to look forward to. And as we look forward to these things, as Christians, we can know our assurance is in Christ, that we're going to get these things. And that we would never be condemned. It would never be a time that we won't get all the things in Christ. Sometimes as believers, when we struggle, we feel like God has turned his back on us. God, we have done this over and over again. God is like, no, I'm done with you now. You, you keep saying you're going to do this. You keep saying you're going to live for me. I'm done with you. That's not what it's saying in Romans. Romans said the more Paul was struggling, the more grace abounded in his life. God, God showed his grace in the midst of the struggles. We talked about this earlier in Romans. When sin abounds, grace abounds. More. More. Not that we just want to go out and live in a type of way. His grace compels us to say, no, it's sin now. Paul is not doing anything different here in Romans 8. I know we just read it. You're like pressing. I don't know what's going on. Like this text is, is, is still consistent with what Paul is already doing. Reminding us that we are in Jesus. Reminding us that what, what does it mean for us 
to stay away from sin and look forward to what to come. How do we know this? We're going to do it in three points today. Three points. What hope we are were, what hope we were saved by in 24a. And the second thing, hope that is seen is not hope in 24b. Faith is what helps us patiently wait on hope. Let me say those three again. What hope we were saved by, that's the question we're going to have in the first point in 24a. The second thing, hope that is seen is not hope in 24b. And the last thing is, faith is what helps us patiently wait on hope. So let's jump at point number one. What hope we were saved by. Look at verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. This is not the first time we have seen the word hope. Can anybody put a finger on another place of hope we've just seen? When you look back in a couple previous verses, what verse do y'all see? We're in verse 20. We were introduced earlier in the hope in verse 20. And let me read this again. For I consider, in verse 18 again, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, the suffering that Paul and the church is going through and what they're facing right now, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits eagerly, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willing but because of him who subjected it in hope we saw verse 20 right i mean verse 19 it said for the creation waits eagerly longing verse 19 is referring back to verse 18 for how this present suffering doesn't compare to the glory that comes this glory is referring to the villains of the sons of god in the end of verse 20 in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to the corruption that obtained the freedom of God, of the glory of the son of the children of God. So Paul explains what the hope entails in these verses. It is the same thing creation is hoping for, but also it's the same things for sufferers are hoping for. Right? Look in verse. Let me keep throwing a couple things out. Verse eighteen about this hope. Glory that is to be revealed to us, verse 18. Look at verse 19. The revealing of the sons of God, verse 21. Creation itself will be set free from the bondage, verse 21. Again, freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 23. Wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. We put our finger, look how many times it shared with us what we get to look forward to. Verse 18. Verse 19 is two. We see verse 21 is three things, or, or two more things than verse 21, so that's four things. Verse 23 is five things that we get to look forward to. So Paul explains to us already, he's leading up to all this. He, he's pointing to all these things that the Christian church get to look forward to. So Paul is thinking about one ultimate hope. If you can summarize all the things I just mentioned, the glory that is to be revealed to us, the revealing of the sons of God, the creation to be set free, the freedom of the glory of the children of God, you wait eagerly for the adoption of the son, the redemption of the bodies, I think all of them equal up one mathematical equation. I'm not the best in math, right? But you add things up. You add one thing, one plus one plus one plus one, one plus one, you got a total here. Add all these things up. I think Paul is shouting at us in the word that all of these point to glorification. 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 That God eternal kingdom to appear. That all of these things that I just mentioned, that those who refer to hoping, this is what they get to look forward to. That God eternal kingdom would appear. When God eternal kingdom appear, all these things will appear. Which will be fully adopted as children with glorified bodies. 
with creation under the dominion of Christ and not vanity, no more, no more sin. Christ rule, no more sin exists forevermore. We in the land with Christ forever. This is what creation is hoping for. This is what sufferers are hoping for. We are looking forward to these great things to be realized. We are not selling for things of the flesh, but we are anticipating of the things of the spirit. The eagerness, the waiting, right? As a kid, you remember, you're waiting at your edge of the seat. Again, mom and dad, am I going to get what you said you're going to give me for my birthday? Mom and dad, what you told me, you're going to give me this new Nintendo Switch. You're going to give me this new basketball. And you're just waiting and waiting for that gift from the parent. Because you know that your parent would not lie to you. Your parent is going to be truthful to you. In the same way, the Father in heaven is truthful to your children. And we can now, we can wait and take it with anticipation. Father, Father, when will your kingdom come? Because we know it is coming. Yes, we are waiting. We're waiting for it. Yes. We can't wait to touch it. As believers, we are excited. We are waiting knowing that what God is going to give to us, nothing in this world can compare. How do we know? Y'all just kind of, kind of quiet this morning. Y'all might have stayed up too late. So let me read more descriptions. Maybe I can get you all to be able to respond to this. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. Look about, think about this beautiful kingdom to come. Because if you're not excited about this kingdom and no more sin, you, ain't, you don't want to go to heaven. Then I saw a new heaven. A new earth. First heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, listen to these words, these are more special words right here. If you can put some Bible verses in your house, in your bedroom, on your mirror, wherever you want to put them at, in your living room, listen to these words. Verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I mean, that's it. I mean, God dwelling with us. Heaven, it's not all about heaven. It's not all about all the angels. If there's no heaven, if God is not there. But we see here, God is with his people. Behold, God is with man. He would dwell with them, and they would be his people. And God himself would be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things had passed away. All of it's gone. God is there and no more tears. He wiped them away. We would never have to face the same thing we face today. Y'all still quiet. Let me keep reading. Verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. True, true. He said, write it right there, trustworthy. Y'all might know people in your life that ain't trustworthy. All right. But we see right here that God is saying he is trustworthy. And how do we know? Go back from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It showed you examples and examples and examples that God is trustworthy. There is never a time that he wasn't trustworthy. There's never a time. What they say to young folks say, I got the receipts. I'm going to show you the receipts. Look at the receipts. Look at the past. Uh, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Look how God has been faithful to his people. There's never a time he hasn't been faithful. He said, write these things down and you can count on them that these things are trustworthy and these things are true. That he's going to be with us. And he said to me, it is done. When God says done, it's done. He said it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this inheritance, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers and sexual immorals, sorcerers, idolatry, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and suffer, which is the second death. Go down to verse 22 in Revelation 21. And I saw a new temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. But its light with the nation walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory unto it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Verse 27, last one. But nothing unclean would ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Family. Paul described to us in verse 18, 19, 21 of heaven, of glory. And Paul is encouraging us, this is what we hope for. This is what we hope for. I know many of y'all have great jobs, Many of y'all have amazing children, but it's way better than both of those. Many of y'all have amazing spouses. It's even way better than those. It's our God. And not just God is going to dwell with us, y'all. It's going to be better in the Garden of Eden. Satan would never be able to enter in. You know how Satan came in as a serpent? This new garden, this new heaven, Brother done. He destroyed forever. And so no more of the taking advantage of again of Eve. No more taking advantage of this is right here. It's going to be a place that God is going to be there. And God is going to dwell with them. Neither the things that you might be struggling with now in your life. All the idols. All the things you're dealing with, if it's anger, jealousy, lust, pride, all the things you're praying to God to remove from your heart, there is no room in the garden for it. Our God is going to deliver, deliver us from all of it. And none of these things will be there. We'll finally be, in the words of Dr. King, and say, free at last. Thank God. Thank God we're free at last. We hope for these things to come. And Paul goes on to say that this hope saves. Look back in the verse, it says saves. So some of you might be saying, no question, but we are sola fide. We are saved by faith alone. What do you mean that this hope, by this hope we are saved? I mean, what do you mean by this? Question? Not by hoping. Well, this word hope can also means rescue from danger. But this hope can be representing um, saved from sin. Uh, does, does faith in Christ saves? And so this hope can, can and saving can, can mean various different things. But I, I would say we need to know the context of Romans 8. Well, what are we saved? You're telling us, are you saying we are saved and going to heaven from Romans 8? Verse this verse. What's the context is that you deliver and tell it's trying to share with us here? Remember Romans 8, Paul has been dealing with sanctification and assurance. Paul shared with us about his struggle with, as a believer with the flesh. Paul said, the more I want to go do, do, do good, flesh is right there. The more he don't want to do good is the things right here. So he's the battle. I, I, I want to serve you, Lord. But my flesh take me this way, and I'm going back and forth. And the word, like Jacob, like over here, and then over here, and over here. I'm back and forth. I want to serve my heart is for Jesus, but the things in this world is pulling me this way. I'm back and forth. Where do I turn? And Paul is dealing with this. 
Y'all too sanctified, folks. Right. But Paul is like myself. Look, I struggle with this. I struggle. I know y'all, in the words of Mr. Shaw, I know y'all got it together. But for me, I know I struggle with these things. That I want to honor the Lord, but the flesh want to be honored. Then sometime I'm honoring the Lord, then sometime I'm traveling to the flesh. It's back and forth. And Paul tells us in Romans 8, verse 1. Now, therefore, there are no condemnation. But even before then, Paul shared with us in Romans chapter 7. At the end of chapter 7, he talks about back and forth. He said, wretched man that I am. After he comes to the conclusion that, man, I want to honor the Lord, but my flesh is putting me this way. Back and forth, he said, he comes to the conclusion. Wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of death? Who would deliver me from this body of death? What did Paul say here? Who would deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of The word deliver there, you see that right there in 20 in Romans 7? But also we see the word deliver again in Romans 8:24. What is Paul looking at being delivered from? Paul is looking at delivering from the things of his flesh. How can we? He's talking about the battle of the flesh. So Paul in Romans 8 reminds us of. Regardless of what the flesh may struggle with, nothing can separate it from God. So with those verses in verse 24, it's still within this context that our hope will keep us from giving in to the things of this flesh. And that's what Paul is getting at, is not giving in to the flesh. It's what we hope for. If we hope for the things to come in Jesus, we're less likely to give in to the things of the flesh. As we think about what we have in Christ, again, we are less likely to turn to the things of the flesh. As we meditate on verse 18, for the glory to be revealed to us, verse 19, revealing of the sons of God, verse 21, and creation itself will be set free from abundance and the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And we wait uh, uh, eagerly for the adoption of the Son and redemption of our bodies. As we wait for what we read in Revelation 21, we are less likely to give in to sin. What are we hoping for? What are we saved from? We're saved from giving in to sin when we hope for the things in God. So as believers that are struggling, what are you hoping for? The reason why you probably continue giving in to these sins because you are hoping for these things. What is your hope rooted in? What is your hope is built in? It tells us in the song we just sung, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We just sung that, right? We just sung this song. But can we truly believe these words? That's what our hope is in? Because we believe that we would not give in to pornography. We will not give in to anger. We will not give in to je jealousy and lust. If our hope is built on something better, we will not give in to these things. We're giving in to these things because we believe that these things give us a better hope. These things align to us. They cannot give us the hope what the scripture just said it gives to us. These things are false hopes. They're idolatry. They say, come and have a good time with me. Come have a good time and gossip. And all these things. Come have a good time. But it doesn't satisfy. Because guess what? Once you do it, you got to keep going and keep going for the high. And it would never satisfy. But coming over here to Jesus, when you say that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness, you don't, you don't give in to these things over here. We give in because we don't believe our hope is built on him. We all, we're in the Bible Belt, in Arkansas. You know, everybody's a Christian. We don't do this. 
That's, that's what we do. As true believers, we are fixated on Jesus and what he has for us and what he goes and built for us. But when we turn our hearts and minds off him, we enjoy these things over here. All of us in this room, this past week, we all have sinned this past week. We all. The reason why you sinned, because your hope wasn't in Jesus. Your hope was in something that was temporary. And that's what Paul is kind of getting at here. How to be saved from the things of the flesh. How to be saved from things of the flesh. Is looking to Jesus. Looking for a new kingdom. Looking for glory to come. We don't want the things of this world once we hope for the things to come in glory. Again, hope saves us from giving in to the flesh. Have we hope on those things? We're less likely to give in. But Paul brings up another problem here. What if you can't see all these hopeful things I just mentioned? I just read Revelation 21. But what will happen when we can't see it? Praise the point number two. Hope that is seen is not hope. Now hope that is seen is not hope for he, for who hopes for what he sees. We just discussed the hope to come. But can we really see it right now? Can we see the kingdom of God right now? I see some gray walls, right? I, I see, you know, some pictures on this wall. I see so and Jacaela back there. I, I see somebody watching the cameras in the back. That's what I see, right? Can we really see heaven? I mean, we can foretaste heaven, you know, looking around, but can we actually see it? Can we actually see God in the catechism? Can we see God? No. No? no. But he always see me. Just this past week, I've been thinking about that Chick-fil-A milkshake. But I hear that line was just so long, so long. I said, well, let me catch him slipping on a Saturday night, Saturday midday. It still was long. But I was hoping for that milkshake, but I could never see it. I knew what it tastes like because I've been to Chick-fil-A and different other places. I know what it tastes like, and I know what I wanted. Did so this still got the strawberry banana? Do I strawberry banana? Just strawberry then. Okay. Just strawberry, but just strawberry, not bananas. I was hoping for it all day, and I couldn't get it. I knew what it looked like. I knew what it tastes like, but I couldn't get it. I don't have one today, but I can hope for one tomorrow. But if I can have a Chick-fil-A shake today, I wouldn't have to hope for it. I can just go get it. I can go over there and get one right now. If I could, if it was open today. If we have glory today, we wouldn't have to hope for it. We have God finished kingdom before us, we won't have to hope for it because it'll be realized. Paul is now getting at the impatience now of the sufferers. The impatient nature of the sufferers. Instead of waiting for God's glory, we go looking for it outside of God's word. Since we can't see it, we got to go around and find something that's kind of imitated. And since I can't see the glory right now, I got to go find something else to imitate it. Might be the casino. Might, might be, again, some form of other lust. Might be various things that since we can't see it, Maybe I can find something that I can see that can be just like it. So waiting for the glory of God to come, we go outside of God's word. Now hope then is a change for selfish desires of the flesh. It says in 2 Corinthians 
4.18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the trained things are unseen are eternal. That know what the word transit mean? Transit means temporary. Temporary. For the things that are seen are temporary. These bricks. Kevin's old picture. Security. All the things I mentioned are temporary. For the things that are transit or temporary, then it goes to that, but the things that are unseen are eternal. more of this in 2 Corinthians. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. Paul even wrote, he mentioned about this hope already in 2 Corinthians 4.18. Now he goes on now and describes more of this. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we will be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as guarantee. I can go more with this. If y'all notice, I think like what kind of is me a lot of times is when people try to study eschatology, they study all the time. They try to read the book of Revelation, and they start talking about all these things in Revelation, and they miss the whole context. The book of Revelation is getting it. Look what you have for it to look to. God is going to be with his people. That God is going to bring his people through suffering and they will make it with him forevermore. It's that simple. Don't worry about looking in the sky. The room going to turn. It's going to the only thing Revelation is getting it for those that suffer for Christ, he has a crown for them. For those that suffer with Christ, he has a kingdom for them. For those that suffer with Christ, he goes and prepare a place for them. That's what he's getting at. So every time you see the word hope, you notice Paul follow up with describe the things that's going to happen at the end. Paul is pumping us up right here. Not giving us something false. He's encouraging us, though, is that I don't want you to give in to sin, brothers and sisters. How not to give in to sin? Look what we get the hope for. Look what you get the hope for. And so he does the same thing here in 2 Corinthians. I ain't describing how our new body is going to be clothed with new things. So again, hope that is seen is not hope. The root God does in this, the reason why God gives us hope, he wants us to hope for it, for we can see our hearts right now. God can just give us everything right now, Right? He doesn't give us everything for us to see who we really are. We're so impatient. And that since we can't have it right now, we go somewhere else to find something false. We feel like we got to see it, we got to touch it. And he's encouraging us, though, is that you don't have to see it and touch it. You can believe it. You can truly believe this. So it deals with right here, while God gives us patience, while God gives us these things, to create patience in us. We're talk about that in point two. So all of y'all look around at the spouses you might have or that you have or the kids you may have or the friends you may have. Whatever the case may be, God has given you the perfect people in your life to show you that you are impatient. He even gives us children, right? He gives us the perfect thing to show us at times how impatient we are. If we can be patient with our kids, then we can be patient on what God is doing in our lives and what he's doing and bringing in his new kingdom. So that's what God is getting at with this. This hope that is seen is not hope. It's not truly hope. 
Friends, to the last point, a couple of y'all blink your eyes at me. Say I'm over time. Faith is what helps us patiently wait on hope. Faith is what helps us patiently wait on hope. Verse 25, everybody point to the but. The word but. Put your finger on the word but. But if we hope for what we do not see, we, we, if we, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Patience. If we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it in patience. As we wrap things up, how do we continue to be hopeful in the Father world when we can't see all the things God is doing? It is faith in the one that gives us the hope and the coming glory. It's okay that we don't see the glory realized right now, but we know it's coming, just like everyone else knows that are believers, that it's coming. We're just waiting on it to appear. Hebrews chapter 11. Some of y'all are mine already going there, but somebody mine's going already. Hebrews 11. Give us a real biblical picture of brothers and sisters. These are real people. You know them cousins? Y'all got cousins and stuff that came up for Thanksgiving? Y'all have cousins coming in town for holidays? They're real cousins, real people. Hebrews 11, these are real people. Real people, real issues, real struggle, real had kids. These are real people in Hebrews 11. So don't read into the story, oh, this is a fantasy. These are real people that have skin, that went to work, that struggle with their spouses. These are real people in Hebrews 11. The real Hebrews 11 gives a real biblical example of brothers and sisters that wasn't impatient, but they still wasting patiently for the glory to come. They were impatient like all of us, but it showed you over time they were patient to wait on the glory to come. They all have one thing in common in Hebrews 11. They all were men and women of faith. So don't look at these people as they didn't sin or they didn't struggle. <laughs> these people, Moses and Abraham, they wasn't Jesus. They struggled just like me, me and you. Got my me and you backwards, y'all said me and you. They struggled just, just like us. So don't look at them as ones that are on a pedestal above Jesus. They was human. But there are examples that we can model. They all struggle, but they all look, look to Jesus. They look forward to things to come, even when things are hard. They all waited patiently on Christ. And since Brother Shah said, take our time, let me read some verses. Good. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of the things hoped for. The conviction of the things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their condemnation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4. People just start dropping names now. You know how people be dropping names? And you know, he, God gonna start, he the first one dropping names. God dropping a name right here. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his guilt. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel, the brother that was killed by his own brother. Abel was a man of faith. He looked to God. He looked for something and then trying to get some type of earthly type of uh, 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 recognition. He looked to God and gave the proper sacrifice. But not only Abel, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was committed of having pleased God. These are the ones that are by faith. These are the ones that was hoping for something better. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. But he commanded, condemned, condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Again, we can go back to the story and read about Noah got drunk. He could have mentioned all those things here. It didn't. It mentioned now is that at the end of the day that he might have struggled with these things, but he still was a man that was looking forward to what was to come. Y'all don't, y'all, y'all quiet, y'all don't agree. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to God. Uh, he called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that had foundation, who designer and bitter is God. But by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, one man in him, as good as dead, were born descendants as many as stars of heaven and as many as innumerable gra uh, grains of sand by the seashore. So they all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from far off, and having acknowledged that they were strangers in the exile on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of their home, the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it, it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, not an earthly land that they're fighting over in Israel about on earth. Not an earthly land they're looking forward to now. Abraham, he wasn't looking forward, you know, he was, he was thankful to see the earthly land, but Abraham looking forward to a spiritual land. How you know this? Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, to Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise from the dead, from which, frequently speaking, he did receive him back. Then it goes on by faith, Isaac invoked the future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Again, I keep saying by faith, these people named, these people are looking forward to what was come. Verse 22, by faith, Jacob, I mean Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for the three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when, when he was grown up, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for the for he was looking to the reward. You see, Abraham was looking for a better, to a better land. Joseph was looking for something better. Moses was looking for something better. And keep going on. Look in verse thirty-one. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those with uh, with, with with those who were disobedient. Because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For the time we failed to me to tell of Gideon. I would believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. He said, I even got some more names to give you. If I had more time, I can tell you about Gideon. Barak. Samson. Y'all remember Samson and Delilah. 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 Zephathah. Of David. Samuel. And all the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, I, he said, if I have more time, I can tell you about all these people that have been passed down to us. For all of them, they look forward to something that they didn't see. And they had assurance in that. Verse 
who through faith conquered kingdom and for justice and obtained promises. Stop the mouth of lions. Quench the power of fire. Who stopped the mouth of lions? Daniel. The Lord stopped the mouth of lions with Daniel. Quench the power of fire. Escape the edge of a sword. Who escaped the edge of a sword? David. But made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but poor enemies that took flight. Women received back that they're dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. You hear this? They went through all these struggles, and they wasn't afraid to go through the struggles because they knew what they had to come. They were stones. They were sewn in two, sewn in two, cut in two. They was killed. They was killed with the sword. They went about with skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, on whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in desert and mountains, and in dens and caves on earth. And all these, though, committed through their faith. Did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Drop down at the end. Verse 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded with a great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. How did he sum this up in the We always stop at Hebrews 11, right? The Hall of Faith. How did he sum this up in chapter 12? He said all these names, just not just cut those names out. He said all these names to let us know. That these people right here, they laid aside every weight, they laid aside every clean, sin that claims to them, and they ran endurance, hoping for the things in Christ. Amen. How do we make it? How do we be saved? All these things that we see in our lives that we struggle with, we look at the great cloud of witnesses. How did they get through it? They look for the things to come. They looked at Jesus as the author or the founder and perfecter of our faith. But for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why can they do it? The best example that those people we read in chapter 11 is Jesus did. Jesus is an example of the one that went through all of it for who? For the Father's name. For the glory that he had with the Father. Give me, he said in what John, back to what I had. How did Jesus make it through to be mistreated? To be gossiped on? To be, 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 to be uh, 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 crucified? All those things that happened to Jesus. How did Jesus get through it? He looked to his father. How do you get through it? How do I get to it? We look to what's to come. When we don't look for things to come, we look around and see if anybody else looking. Let me go ahead and do sin one time. Hey, God forgive me. God forgive me. If you sin willingly and you just disrespect God like, God, I don't care about you. I'm just going to do it. You don't have a fear of ripping towards God. It's a different than you're fighting like, Lord, I don't want to do it. My flesh one. It's a different than you're fighting it. If you just don't care and you're just enjoying it, I'm not convinced that you're truly following Jesus. Don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger from what the scriptures just said. There's no way that you can say, I'm going to go ahead and do this right here, and God's going to forgive. I'm going to keep doing God's No, it's a fight. It's a fight. You're fighting, and sometimes you do give in. If you're not fighting it, you're not, I'm not convinced in the scripture that you're a believer. But a believer is a person that's truly fighting it. And we see Jesus fought. Jesus fought. We see David fought. Samson fought. They are people of faith because they fought. And we fight. And as we fight, we must be patient. Because fam, in the Boston ring, it's 12 rounds. Or here on earth, 
We don't know how many rounds. You might be tired. You're leaning on the ropes. You can't go no more. You still got more rounds to fight. But guess what? When you're weak, he's strong. And so at the end of the day, when you're on the ropes, he's the one that gives us the strength to persevere. But a lot of times we get on the ropes, we feel like he's not there. And it's like we got to give in. This fight is too long. The Hall of Faith shows us that they were sawed into. They was killed. Willing to wait however long it was to honor the Lord. Family, may we wait and be patient on the Lord. Let me end with an application. I think Jacayla did John. Remember all these things consist in our hope. Did I say? Remember these certain things. We get God forever. Remember this. You can touch it. If you, you can touch it, you can write it in your mind, brain, put it in your phone. Remember these things, family. You let me know if anything in this world can compare to this. Anything. We get God forever. We get to worship him in spirit and truth forever. We get glorified bodies. We get freedom from sin. We get our needs met forever. We will never have to rival again. We'll have a rival again with God. So we can hope for that day to come. Now all the things I just mentioned. Our milkshake don't compare to that. A man or a woman that's outside your, or your, your spouse, it doesn't compare to that. Money doesn't compare to this. None of those things in this world can compare to what we get. So look for what we get. Don't give in to those things. Second thing. Things in this world will try to distract you. But get your mind focused on the hope that's above, not false hope. Don't buy into that lie, y'all. Nothing in this world can compare, but it will continually entice you. I think that's why we have commercials. Commercials are strategically, people get paid millions, I mean thousands of millions of dollars to put these commercials together. And what, what is their job to do? Is to entice you, to draw you in, to go in to get that Burger King special. Uh, to go in to get those new, new what, new what? New jury, the new whatever it is. Commercials are strategically working on the mind. It puts certain music on. You start seeing yourself moving. You don't know what the words are. You're moving and moving. It, all those things, even going to a, a, a bath and body works you mentioned. Some places have music playing. They set the mood just right. It's so cozy for you. For you to be able to kind of really be kind of, kind of relaxing. And you start smelling going around smelling ladies, y'all go around smelling and uh, next thing you know you got a whole basket full of things. <laughs> That's what this world is. This world is full of commercials. This world is full of commercials to entice you. It's just not on TV. It's all around you. All these various types of commercials that draw you in. Shatera shaking her head, amen. So what do we do, y'all? How do we get through this? Let me give you some encouraging things to get through this. Pray more. Number one, pray more. Pray, pray, pray. Pray without ceasing. Continue praying to the Lord. Every day, asking the Lord to remind you of the things to come. Pray and seek the Lord. If you don't have a good prayer life, if you're not praying to the Lord daily, what is it showing me? That you're prideful. You're boastful because you already know what tomorrow is going to look like for you. You don't pray because you already have it all together. Praying shows us our dependence on the Lord. We need to pray more so we won't give in. Second thing, flee from worldliness. Y'all ain't got to be like the people on TV. TV. Y'all ain't got to be like the people on social media. Be careful of bad influences that entice you. Like, you got to have these certain things. Y'all are amazing. You are believers in Christ, but those are the believers. So don't be enticed by those things. So flee from worldliness. Look at things in your life that draw you to worldliness. If it's certain shows, don't watch them. More time in the Bible. Read your Bible more. More time around the saints. And more time to point each other to holiness. And remember that the same won't trust Satan won't be around forever. He didn't listen to the Lord. He won in his own way. 
but he will be destroyed. <clears throat> Last thing from a brother, he said this, the more you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, is the more you will groan within yourself while you are still left here on this world. Let me say it again. The more you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, the more you will groan within yourself while you are still left here in this world. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us.